We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by NoHalftime.com. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, could take a moment to leave us a rating and review. We'd greatly appreciate that. Thanks to those of you who have already done that. Uh, it's part of the effort to make this the most heavily award-winning podcast of all time. Yep. Heavily yep, we, award-winning. I think we haven't won any term. awards yet. We're starting off a little bit uh, more slowly than we would have liked, but I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing all that hardware is going to come just falling <laughs> in 
all at once. Uh, this is going to be the week three preview episode. We're going to take a look at each of the 16 games on the schedule. Of course, it's been a bad week for injuries. A lot of the key injuries we, we know about already, but we're finding out there's some players that have been held out of practice early Thursday whose status may actually be in jeopardy uh, in week three. Brandon Marshall uh, among them. So we'll kind of get to those as we roll through each game preview. Let's start with the Thursday night game. Texans on the road at New England. Jacoby Brissett, as you had correct from day one, uh, going to get started, it appears, for the Patriots in this one. They may have Rob Gronkowski back. We're probably not going to know until 90 minutes before kickoff because that's how the Patriots roll. My belief is that they would just sit him because they get the extra time off before week four. But if he's healthy enough to play and isn't going to do extra damage to his leg, then having a guy like Gronk on the field certainly makes Brissett's job a lot easier. And what's otherwise a really difficult matchup against a good Houston defense. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't really see the Patriots open up the playbook a whole lot for Jacoby Brissett. I don't think he threw a ball more than or completed a pass more than I think it was eight yards downfield, which is about what you'd expect for a third string quarterback who... They probably didn't expect to take a single snap this season, you know, let alone the next two or three seasons. Um, so it's an interesting situation. I mean, it's, a, it's another – this would have been a, a, a tight game had Garoppolo been starting, you know, one that you would kind of waffle back and forth about. And, and I think um, the fact that he's out as well as Brady probably, to me, pushes this one in favor of the Texans, even on the road. Um, but at the same time, if there's any team in this league or any team in sports that could seamlessly transition from – a Hall of Fame quarterback to a backup to a third stringer in a matter of a couple weeks, uh, I think it's the New England Patriots. The Patriots could do pretty much anything. They could roll out Steve Grogan of Tecmo Super Bowl fame at quarterback at like age 57, and Grogan would probably throw for 250 and two mm-hmm. TDs. So I never, you- I never want to count them out, but it's 21-20 as far as your implied score, favoring the Texans. They're one-point favorites in this game. I think the big question is how many of the – other Patriots are you sitting down in this matchup I mean Edelman to me kind of just gets his he runs well, what a lot if of he short ends routes up going in at quarterback though there's that slim possibility which I, I, still <laughs> I want think, that to happen not from a fantasy perspective just from a pure entertainment perspective yeah I mean I think he'd be okay I, I think they could run a play or two where they just yeah. direct snap to him and he runs it or maybe flips right. the ball downfield but I think that was more just to throw off the Houston defense than anything else. I think they're going to use Brissett as yeah. the primary I quarterback. Know, yeah, I think that was more just media and fan manufactured buzz than anything, right? I mean, right. Like oh, Bel- he used like, to play quarterback. Maybe he'll play quarterback. Belichick gets a question like that, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll think about it." And right. you just that's kind of like. But for Belichick, wait, that's, what? that's a pretty ringing endorsement as far as as far as he goes. Um, but I mean, to go back to your original question, obviously, I think Legarrette Blunt is a must play this week. You know, we saw him have a huge workload after Garoppolo went down in the second half uh, against Miami last week. I think that's going to continue. I think the Patriots are going to try to shorten this game. I think they want to minimize you know, the times where they're facing a third and long and they have to ask Jacoby Brissett to make a throw. Um, you know, I think ideally they're just going to kind of dumb down this playbook and, and try to escape with a close win. James White could be very active yep. as a pass catcher, but I still don't know if it would be enough to where I'd want to trust him no, in PPR it's... settings even. Uh, but Blunt and Edelman are the two players I would use. Hogan doesn't make it for me martellus bennett is it worth waiting on gronk if gronk plays i, I think know. you have to use him i, I think do you have to He's, i mean it's gronk gronk with half the usual snaps could get all the looks in the red zone mm-hmm. and anything they throw in close would probably go in his direction it, it, to me he's just too good right. to sit if he's active but again we'll know uh, 90 minutes before this one kicks off Eight twenty-five eastern kick tonight for that Thursday night matchup. I think in in this case, I'm going to take the Patriots. I'm an idiot. I'm going to take the Patriots. They're, they're <laughs> okay. home. They just always find a way 
even though logic would tell you Houston goes in, wins a tight, low-scoring game, I think the Patriots are going to... Jacoby Brissett has been in this position before at other levels. In high school as a freshman, I think it was the state championship game, quarterback went down, he came in, played really well, like almost helped his team pull off an upset. Uh, NC State had some big games. I mean, just a, a guy that wasn't always called upon right away, but when when asked to step in at previous levels, he's, he's done that and handled himself uh, at a really high level. I mean, the Patriots took this guy in the third round for a reason. Does the Patriots pick, um, is that under the belief that Gronkowski plays? Does Gronk being in or out matter to you at all when it comes down to picking this game? Yeah, uh, it, it does, actually. I, I'm assuming Gronk is in based on the yeah. weird signs from right. the beat Obviously writers. you feel better about it if he's playing. Right. If he's not, given how close the line is, I'd probably flip it to mm-hmm. Houston. But I'm assuming Gronk plays taking the Patriots. I mean, Houston's been good, but they, they haven't exactly been you know, explosive offensively these first couple of weeks. They've still been leaning on that defense, which is fine. I think that's what we expected. Osweiler hasn't been outstanding, but he's been good enough to let the defense carry them. I mean, they only put up 19 points against what's a good Chiefs defense, but and ultimately a conservative Chiefs offense. Uh, but Osweiler is just 19 to 33, 268, one touchdown. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's been a little bit overstated. Maybe you know, with, with this two and zero start, just how kind of mediocre he's been. But again. At the same time, they don't really need him to make these huge, huge plays as long as he's not coughing up the ball. No, they'll run the ball a lot with Lamar Miller. That's mm-hmm. that's part of the game plan. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his targets and be pretty productive, I think. It's not a week where you'd sit him down. He's he's kind of matchup-proof to me. I mean, What about Will Fuller? Fuller's on the fringe. Like I, I think with Fuller, does, does the New England defense just say, hey, we know Hopkins is going to get his, Yeah. so we'll roll some coverage over there, but let's make sure Will Fuller doesn't beat us over the top. Mm-hmm. For a forty or fifty yard, right. let's just take him away and kind of let Hopkins do his thing, but just contain him as opposed to uh, you know worrying too much about Hopkins and then letting Fuller beat you, kind of in a John Brown sort of way, mm-hmm. right? Like that's they, John Brown didn't really do much against the Patriots in Week One. I wonder if they'll do the same thing to Will Fuller. I don't think a rookie receiver's ever had three straight hundred yard games, by the way, to open a career. Really. I'm yeah, pretty, I can't. I mean, I can't think of I a time. See, off I could not head. find it for the life of me. I remember. I remember seeing it on Twitter during the games on Sunday. There was some uh, comparison that Will Fuller had joined another receiver as the only two to ever have back-to-back 100-yard games to begin the year. So I'm, I'm inferring that you know if those were the only two to to open with two straight 100-yard games, I would think he'll be he would be the only one if he's able to reach 100 yards, which which seems like a long shot against this New England defense, but still something to keep an eye on. I'll, I'll try to dig that up and see what I can find. All right, yeah, keep keep digging in the corners. That's, that's why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> uh, moving on to the first game on Sunday, Arizona going on the road to Buffalo over under 47. I'm guessing most of that's supposed to come from the Arizona side. Did, did, any, did everyone forget that two of the Bills – Big plays last week, I mean, Greg Salas and Marquise Goodwin, long TDs. Like those happened, but that was more than half of the yardage through the air. Right. They fired their offensive coordinator. Sammy Watkins' foot isn't a hundred percent. Whether it's twenty, thirty, forty, I don't he didn't know. Even play the last couple of series of that game. The offense basically stopped after that long Goodwin touchdown. Yeah, I, there was nothing else. And Arizona's defense is good. Like all of those factors, to me, the only thing that works in the Bills factor. Uh, in favor is that they're they're home, but on top of that, this is a game where Arizona has to play early. So maybe that's a slight extra push in Buffalo's favor. But all those things I talked about, where the production came from last week, coaching change, uh, Arizona's defense being really high quality. I just 
I don't see this happening like that at all. I mean, I think the implied score was 25-22 Cardinals. I think it's going to be more like 27-13 or something. They're going to win this game pretty easily, which is hard to do on the road, but I think Arizona is just that much better than Buffalo. Three and a half seems a little low for this, right? And and Arizona, you know, didn't look great in week one, but looked a lot more like the Cardinals team we thought we would see uh, in week two. And I mean, the Bills have arguably been a bottom three, bottom four team through the first two weeks. You fire your offensive coordinator. The defense is a complete mess. Um, I mean, if this game was in Arizona, I, I think obviously the line would be considerably different. I just, I just don't know that you know, yeah, they have to travel across the country. It's not always the easiest place to play, but you know, it's also mid-September. You know, you're not going to Buffalo in in November when when there's snow and there's cold. I, I think this is an easy win for Arizona, and I think they cover that pretty easily. I I think it's going to be no contest unless something very bizarre happens. The Buffalo defense forces a couple extra turnovers. Uh, special teams TD. It's going to take a lot for the Bills to even keep it that close. Okay, so uh, we have an update on the Will Fuller situation. He became the second player in the the modern era, we'll say. There was some guy in like the 1940s who had two straight 100-yard games to open his career. But the other player to do that, do you know off the top of your head? Do you have a guess by chance? This is like all-time or since the merger? Uh, well, let's say this happened in 2008. He was a rookie. A rookie in 08, so that goes back. It doesn't go back far enough to be Anquan Bolden. I know no. he started off his career on a high note. Yeah. So it's not Bolden. That would have been my guess, I think. 08. Similar uh, type of deep threat. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah. All right, it's tough. Deshaun Jackson. So Deshaun Jackson is oh, the only other yeah. player other than this 1940s guy to open with two straight 100-yard games. Week three of his rookie season, he had five catches for 40 yards. So Will Fuller has a chance here. Yeah, I I guess. I guess he does. I just think they're going to take away the big plays. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Hopkins so on too. volume will be fine, but I, I think downfield Will Fuller may find a tough sledding this mm-hmm. week against that New England secondary. Uh, Minnesota on the road at Carolina. Who's, who are they going to lose this week? Like, I mean, they're, they're seven-point underdogs. It could I, be anybody. How much of that is rooted in AP not being there? Because AP wasn't good in the first I mean, two They're games. on the road. Carolina can score. Minnesota's Minnesota, defense is good, though. But they only scored 17 points last week. Yeah, maybe Green Bay's defense is okay, though. I think Green Bay's defense is okay, actually. So, I, I, I think Carolina's just that good. I think I'm taking Minnesota with the points, though. Even though I expect Carolina to win, I think they're going to keep it closer yeah. than expected. The thing I, I still want to see with Carolina, can they, can they slow down like legitimate top number one receivers? In this, in this case, we're still talking about a guy in Stephon Diggs who doesn't have a great quarterback throwing him the ball. He did on Sunday. I, I think that was just Diggs making Bradford yeah, look no, really no, good. No, I'm kidding, yeah. But if you look at it, I mean, Trevor Simeon wasn't a good test for them in week one, and certainly last week, Blaine Gabbert with Torrey Smith wasn't any sort of test for their secondary. We just don't know what their secondary actually looks like without Josh Norman against the top wideouts. This will be their best test yet. I think Minnesota can hold their own, though, in this game. Not going to call the outright win on the road because that would be outlandish, mm-hmm. but getting seven just seems like they're getting too much. The Jarek McKinnon thing, I like him as like an RB2 or flex this week. Again, Carolina's stout against the run, but what he might lack on the ground, I think McKinnon can make up for as a pass catcher because the, the game plan is probably going to shift to be a little more uh, pass-heavy, and I with that, it, I think they're going to lean on the back. I think it has to be, and you never want to overstate the loss of a guy like Peterson, but, I mean... He really hadn't done anything through the first two weeks of the year. What, 50 yards, I think, on 20-plus carries? I mean, it's not like he was off to this great start and the, the offense was running through him. I mean, if anything, um, you know, they had struggled to move the ball. So I, I think if you're comparing the first two weeks to what they're going to look like going forward, 
they really don't have anywhere to go but up in terms of the running game and, and certainly Asiata and McKinnon aren't as talented as Adrian Peterson but I think they it's gonna it, they, they would struggle to not match you know 1.5 yards per carry or whatever Peterson was at through these first two games just 19 yards uh, on 12 carries against Green Bay before the injury so to me that's somewhat negligible based on the production they've gotten thus far but I think Stephon Diggs is really really good I think he showed that on a national scale finally on Sunday night but beyond that I think if you're able to take Stephon Diggs away, there's really not another weapon that I'm too worried about in this Minnesota receiving core. Yeah, that, that's the key, right? I mean, Kyle Rudolph is more of a role guy. Laquan Treadwell's barely been on the field. And they only had two receivers catch a pass right. against Green Bay. Yeah, Charles Johnson, to me, hasn't really been much of a factor. So no. there's not a lot of depth, but I, they just seem like a well-coached team that mm-hmm. has been finding their way well and Carolina's been kind of odd too ever since you know midway through last season though they get out to these big leads and just kind of fall asleep and there were even lapses against you know the 49ers that should have been a much bigger blowout than it was they had the the Ted Ginn kickoff muff situation just some kind of odd plays down the stretch they, they seem to lose focus a little bit I mean just when you think they're about to close the door on a team they really haven't been able to, to do that. What are you expecting workload-wise for Cameron Artis-Payne, though? Like, kind of like Jarek McKinnon, where the role is going to be very different. Uh, Fozzie Whitaker got the workload last week when Stewart got hurt because Cameron Artis-Payne doesn't play special teams. He was inactive. So is it 50-50? Is it pass catching for Whitaker? It's tough. Early downs for Cameron Artis-Payne. I mean, they had a, a brief stretch of this late last season, and it seemed like Cap, as people mm-hmm. are, are calling him, uh, had the slight upper hand with respect to the workload, but not enough to where I have a great deal of confidence against them going up against a good Minnesota defense because they can use Cam in close, they can use Tolbert in short yardage, and they could use Whitaker as a pass catcher. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think it's easy to look at Fozzie Whitaker last week and probably go run out to the, the waiver wire or, or fab or whatever it is and, and go grab him. But with Artis Payne being inactive, we, have, we really have no baseline at all for what the split is going to be. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit nervous to, to roll with one or the other at this point. I think if you have another option, somebody who's a little bit more stable in their role, you probably lean that way. Um, but, but at the same time, I mean, I think they have to keep Whitaker involved, right? I mean, 100 yards on 16 carries is nothing to, to scoff at. And it's not like he had an 85-yard carry in there or something to buoy that, you know, pulling an Isaiah Crowell. Um, so I think they'll probably split it fairly evenly, at least this week. And, and it looks like Jonathan Stewart's going to miss multiple weeks. So, you know, even if Fozzie Whitaker has 12 carries for 45 yards in this game, there still might be room for value in week four or week five. Definitely a possibility. Uh, but I'm taking the Vikings with the points. That's, that's, okay. where, that's where I'm, I'm at with Carolina. this game. I'm all, I'm all in on the Panthers. If, you know, if, one, if one big cat team is struggling, you've know, you got to ha- look to another one to pick them up. Yeah, it's like a scale, right? One's down, the other has to go up. So right. They're, they're a seesaw. Exactly. Perhaps, a perhaps a seesaw together. is a better metaphor. Yeah. Right, and, we're, and speaking of big cats. Yeah, we got another big cat. The Bengals, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Home against the Broncos. The Broncos, of course, 2-0. Bengals, 1-1 one one after falling against Pittsburgh in Week 2. This is a tough one. This is a really tough game. I think... Given that it's in Cincinnati, this is the Broncos' first loss of the season. It's we haven't gonna... seen Cincinnati at its best yet. No, and usually, I don't know. Like, I, I think they can. I think they've got enough weapons to make this game like a really well fought with like yeah. a twenty to seventeen grinded out sort of win. I mean, that's how it's going to be for Denver all year. I think really, I think they're going to have to grind out wins. That's what happens when you rely on your defense, and you know, it's an effective strategy. There's you don't get any extra points in the NFL for blowing a team out. If you can grind out wins, you grind out wins, and. I think the fact that 
that defense is so good is going to keep this game close. Um, but at the same time, that Denver offense, there, there's room for, for error if you're Cincinnati because you know if you, if you turn it over, it's not like Trevor Simeon's going to march that team right down the field. So if you can get you know two or three big plays down the field to A.J. Green or to whoever it may be, Tyler Boyd, I think you can get in this game. I mean, if you put up 24 points on Denver, you're going to beat them a lot of weeks. It's true. And I think the Bengals are just good enough to get to that level. And yeah. I think their defense is good enough, too. The defense I can mean, make some plays. This is a 50-50 to me if you're, if you're picking this game spread or no spread, really. I, I, I guess I like, I like the Broncos with the points. Yeah, it's interesting that the uh, distribution is almost even as far as which sides are yep. being taken. Same with the last game, too. With, which... with the money, yeah. even Pretty even money as far as where the, where the funds are going there. The, the Cardinals-Bills game is ridiculous. 78% of the picks have gone in on, on Where Arizona. are you going on Survivor this week? Are you in that the Roto? I, I didn't do the Roto Survivor okay. thing because it started in week two, and I just yeah. wasn't looking for it then. Like, I, I was ready to go in week one, and it never happened, but... I think Some full survival mode week one. The survivor pick for me would be Miami. Yep, that's who I went. Cleveland with. is horrible. I mean, I know you want to try to like get off the scent of the biggest favorite, but Cleveland, no. everything's going wrong for them, and we'll, yeah. you know we'll get to them in just a couple minutes. But what a what a disaster! Like Miami's not a team. It's like oh, I don't want to use them too early. They're they're I mean <laughs> they're o, they're zero two right now, but they opened at Seattle and at I always New target like matchups like this more than good teams. Yeah, I think it's it's an easy tendency to look at. A t- you know an Arizona team that you really like a lot but they, whoever's playing the worst team I think you know, or like the, the the difference between the team that you like and the team that you dislike like for me I don't like Miami a lot but I, I dislike Cleveland so much that I think that's the easier matchup to pick yeah unfortunately they're just falling apart uh, as, a, as a team but I'm, I'm taking the Bengals in that Denver Cincinnati game I'm giving up to three and All a right. half I think they're going to hold on well fought game I'm a little worried about Jeremy Hill he's looking more like 2015 Jeremy Hill again We'll see if this is a matchup where he can surprise. I would try to play someone else if I had viable alternatives, but I realize if uh, you lost some running backs this past week, you may not have the luxury of sitting him down, but try to sit him down where you can. Uh, Lions on the road at Green Bay broke a long losing streak at Lambeau Field a year ago. Packers 7.5-point favorites. high, right? For the line, yeah. It, I think it's a tick high because I don't think – I don't think we've seen the Packers' offense click yet this year. I don't think they looked that good against Jacksonville. I don't think we have, no. I think the plays in which you could say they clicked were 100% Rodgers being Rodgers type of plays. You know, it was guy hanging all, all over his shoulder, makes a throw that no one else in the league can make. It, it doesn't look as easy as it did. And that, that's like, that was the main hallmark to me, I guess, when that Packers' offense was, was really humming from 2012 to 2014. It, it wasn't that... Rodgers was scrambling all over the place, making these crazy throws. You know, they're winning on Hail Marys. It was just it was pure execution. You know, it was two plays down the field, first down. Another play down deep down the sideline to Jordy Nelson, who somehow seemed to get free for one of those 60-plus-yard touchdowns every week. Like, the big plays are completely gone. Even when they do have a big play, it looks like, you know, they had to exert maximum effort just to, just to find an open receiver. It, the fluidity is, is just not there right now, and it doesn't seem like something that can just be fixed you know, with the snap of a finger week to week. The fact that you're also getting the extra half makes me even more inclined to take the Lions. Like, yeah. and the Packers could win 31-24 and the Lions still right. cover against the spread. So you, I think you have to take the Lions. I just, yeah, points. I don't see how – I like Green Bay to win this game. I think they 
and maybe they win it in a similar fashion to to how they beat Jacksonville in week one. I don't think Detroit's all that good, but it's hard for me to look at them and say they're more than a touchdown favorite after what we saw on Sunday night. Right. I would have thought more like five and a half or six for the line as opposed mm-hmm. to seven and a half. It's a, it's a big number. So uh, I think the question with the Lions, you know, what do they do at running back? How much theoretic do we actually see? Or do they bring in more Dwayne Washington, a little Zach Zenner? Like what? what's the actual carry volume going to be? They're insisting that theoretic is their starter, but do you believe them? I think so. I, I don't. I don't know. I guess Dwayne Washington maybe creeps in on that. I'm not a big Zach Zenner guy. I think he's more of a spellback than anything else. I, this is not a, a running back situation that I'm targeting. You're right. I'm fine. You're just poisoned. Maybe. <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm not really trying to get Theo Riddick into my lineup. But if I had to choose between him and those other two guys, I think he's kind of the obvious choice. Right. The touches are going to be there as a pass catcher, no matter what. Maybe they limit him to. 14, 15 carries, and then you sprinkle in the other guys as short yardage options. But if he touches the ball 20 times, he's an RB2, even against the Green Bay run defense that leads the league uh, so far. But you could thank TJ Yeldon, I think, for that. They did a good job against Adrian Peterson on Sunday night before Peterson left that game uh, with an injury. This seems like a game where Aaron Rodgers gets well. He just didn't play well against the That was an unnecessary shot at TJ Yeldon, by the way. No, no, it wasn't. And I'm I'm, I'm mad because the coffee just tastes awful. Yeah, that's what what I was implying with the poison thing. You you really look like you were about to keel over there for a second. Right. I don't know how – I didn't taste it on the first few sips. But the, the pot I made this morning was completely fine, and I used the exact same stuff. I had a lot of grains in mind. Like it was when I was getting to the bottom of the cup, you could kind of see the separation between the liquid and the grains. Who's who's making the coffee? That's we have, like we struggling have at Rotowire at the office have gone through. We went through probably three of your standard, you know, Walmart, Target coffee makers in the last year, and then we we finally sprung for what we thought was a nice kind of kind of diner quality. <sighs> coffee machine and this no. thing has caused us more anxiety more frustration more messes in the kitchen this is this is uncle ken's fault the k train tried to make a good recommendation he's got a great background a veteran of in the coffee. coffee industry right and i think this this brewer is typically a good brewer but it has been just wrecking us so far we've had uh we've had coffee grounds kind of like shooting out the sides of this thing because people didn't fill it properly and it, it just the way it brews is very unique. I was burned yesterday while making a pot. You're lucky I didn't sue for workers' comp. I don't own the company, so if you sue for workers' comp, then... I, yeah, I don't know why I was directing that at you. I, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's lucky. I, I mean, I'm wearing the, the, like the Rotowire executive fleece, so I understand mm-hmm. you might have been confused, but <laughs> the, uh, the coffee situation's bad. And, and on top of that, I think we buy... We choose to purchase very low-end coffee. There's a, there's well, a Folgers stockpile going on back there. I think that's half the flavor problem, but the other half is something is up with our brewer, and we don't know. So it's gotten you, to the point that we have complimentary free coffee available whenever, and people will still go out of their way to walk you know, 10 minutes away and pay for coffee. Yeah, that, that's how good the coffee tastes here yeah. right now. So we, we need a coffee overhaul. If you can help us, Crisis. let us know on Twitter, at WhaleN uh, with a one. Yeah, they're going to tell Let's you Search my it. name. That's easier. Just just search Nick Whalen on Twitter. You'll probably find him eventually. All right, I'm taking the Lions with the points. I think Theo Riddick's useful. Yep. Beyond taking, that, taking the Packers straight up, taking the Lions with the points. I think the, this is this is an Aaron Rodgers comeback game, though. This could be the week where he's like the leading scorer around the league. It could be. I mean, that's what we've been saying for the last 14 weeks, though. Yeah, but 12 of those weeks were with broken parts around yeah. him. Most of those parts are still there. That's the problem. If Gus Bradley has an entire offseason to come up with a game plan, he can be useful like as, as a defensive coach. Beyond that, useless. Well, speaking of Gus Bradley, let's, let's get this over with. The, why, why are you sad? They're going to win this week, aren't they? Are they? 
they're playing a two and zero Ravens team. Well, yes, the, the two and the so. two and zero Ravens. Like arguably, their toughest game so far. The, the two and zero Ravens favored by one and a half, visiting Duval. How does anyone ever favored going into Duval? You've been there. You've seen I it was, firsthand. Yeah, it was amazing to me. I mean, you know, from the Go Pack Go chance as I was walking into the stadium to the Go Pack Go chance while I was in the stadium to the Go Pack Go chance midway through the third quarter. You know, it's not much of a home field advantage. I don't think the Ravens are going to travel quite as well as the Green Bay fan base. <laughs> I uh, wouldn't expect that. Uh, but I think Jags, the Jags fan base has probably hit maybe an all-time low. And things have been pretty bad, as you're aware, for these last couple of years. But at least when they were losing games in 2013, 2014, there were no expectations. They were expected to get blown out. you know. But now there are expectations, and they're still finding themselves down 35-0 to zero in the third quarter against a Chargers team that has no weapons. I think we should bring Eric J into the conversation to get his take on the Jags. I mean, he's a little older than you, so he's suffered yeah. longer than you have. Well, yeah, rooting for this team. At, he Jags maybe, haven't maybe been around that long. You, you got to remember that. And the suffering didn't really begin until the mid two thousands. Like they pretty much hit the ground running. Well, the Jags have been around. Uh, they're the same age as my sister, so I, I remember. I was like eight when the Jags <laughs> became a thing, and my sister was born. So I remember yeah. both of those things happening. And you're right; they've been mostly bad. Uh, I mean, the, the Mark Brunel. Well, for the first years decade, were they, they were actually pretty good. I mean, until 2008, they were a very respectable franchise, arguably the most successful franchise in NFL history. Since then, things have not been so good. Okay, so here's what I think Bortles is going to get a lot of attempts again because yep. the running game is going to be bad. Ivory, if he plays, will be limited. Right. Yeldon is worse than the coffee that I just drank that I almost spit into the microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, you get a lot of attempts. Robinson should be fine. I, I'm not worried about him right now. Uh, I think the other weapons being healthy is good for Bortles this week. He's got everybody at his disposal. Marquise Lee has looked borderline decent. Borderline usable if someone yeah. goes down even. And then on the Ravens side, it's like, I don't want West or Forsett. I'd play Mike Wallace. I'm okay yes. playing Flacco if you're in like a two-quarterback situation or even just in a mix-and-match and maybe you don't like Kirk Cousins' matchup against the Giants, something like that. You can play Flacco. But I want nothing to do with the running backs. I'm even reluctant to buy into Dennis Pitta only because no. of the magnitude of his injury. Like I, I'm, I'm happy for the guy for getting back from just the, the litany of injuries he's dealt with. But I am very surprised that he was contributing anything close to what he did yeah. last week. So I'm not banking on that repeating. But this game, Ravens favored by one and a half. I, I, think, I think your boys get it done. I'll, I'll take they them with the extra point and a half. If they're down big at halftime, we might see the first ever mid-game coach firing. You think? You think that's it's got that? It's in the cards. That bad? It's that bad. He is bad. He's bad. Who are they going to hire instead, though? I don't know. That's the thing. It's like there's there's not much precedent, especially for a team like this, to fire a coach mid-season and and just completely reverse the trajectory of your team. You know, like Dan Campbell as, did it for a week. Remember yeah, last for a like, week, one week, <laughs> what like, happened? Holy crap! The Dolphins are good. Yeah, They're actually Philbin the team we thought. Bad. It was yeah. all Philbin, and then they right. just went back to being the same. That's team exactly what were. I could see happening. Like, I mean, the Jags—they need to win this, or you, know, you can pretty much kiss the playoffs goodbye. Especially if Houston wins tonight um, <laughs> in the third week of the season. There's what didn't we just talk about these percentages last week? Like percent of zero and three teams that make the playoffs. I mean, the Jags basically need to win the division. And they're already three games back of Houston, could be three games back of Houston if, if you know, the Texans win and they lose. I'm just saying it looks pretty bleak. Does this look like a team to you that, that's, in, that's able to recover? No, not really. But if everyone liked them two weeks ago, yeah. how can you hate them so much right now? I think that's, that's where I'm at. Like, I'm not ready to that give Chargers up on them just yet. That Chargers loss is what did it. Yeah, San Diego is a well-oiled machine, though. 
the Jags had Paul Puzlesny on Travis Benjamin for a lot of the day. That, if he's on Mike Wallace, you're going to want to buy Mike Wallace shares. Mike Wallace is going to score five times this week if that's uh, if that's the matchup. It'll just run right by we'll him. See. I mean, the Jags need to win probably both of these next two, I think, to save Gus Bradley's job. They had a week five bye. Do they, want, do they want to? Do the code, do you think the players like Gus Bradley? I think they do like Gus Bradley. I, I don't have any you know, insider info. I'm not in Jacksonville, but I think he's, I think he's like genu- genuinely a good guy. Like Nobody dislikes Gus Bradley, the person, or the way he goes about things. I think he's... Like I said on the last pod, like he would be the greatest high school football coach ever or the greatest college defensive coordinator ever. He just, he just doesn't quite – I don't think he's quite there schematically to be a head coach. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's, he's there. That's, it doesn't seem like it. The, the numbers seem to bear that out too. They, they really do. All right, let's move on. I can't talk about this anymore. Uh, all right, let's talk Browns and Dolphins. <laughs> oh, let's move on. Let's, just, let's, really, let's go let's, back to the Jets. Let's really turn the page. Um, the Dolphins are going to cover. Yeah. They're, they're going to – even as 10-point favorites. I think they're you don't like s- Cody Kessler? I think the Browns are on shutout watch this week. Oh, yeah. Corey Coleman's got a broken hand. Isaiah Crowell, most of the yards came on an 85-yard run. The Dolphins are a good run defense. They're going to load the box against him. There's Parker, a warrant out for Josh Gordon's arrest. Yeah, there's a Parker. <laughs> Parker and Landry are both healthy right now. I think that bodes well. I think Tannehill goes off. Even without Foster, they don't run it much. Maybe Jay Ajayi puts up good numbers, but... I'd rather just not even use the Miami running backs if possible and just see them tear up the Cleveland defense through the air. Like 260, a couple TDs seems like a reasonable floor for Tannehill this week. There, there's no Brown that you can play right now. Mm-hmm. Like none. Like there's Not a single one. Can't play Barnage. If you absolutely have to play Kroll, maybe. I mean, it, Based on volume, you yeah. might be okay, but I, I'm, I'm just nervous about the matchup for him and then how loaded the box will be on is- every single play. Yeah, this is going to be rough. I mean, this also seems one to one where like you know the line is so high, everyone's expecting a huge blowout. I could see, you know, Miami maybe getting a little overconfident. They struggle early, but I just can't see. I, mean, I don't like the Dolphins by any means, but I just can't see them, you know, finding a way to lose this game to this Cleveland team that has no weapons at receiver, has a third string quarterback that's never taken an NFL snap. Um, I mean, this is this one to me is similar to New England. Like, I'm not rooting for Cody Kessler to get hurt. But I'm rooting for Terrell Pryor to take some snaps at quarterback. Terrell Pryor Those would be kind of related. Though. He'd be like a top 18 quarterback this week if he was playing quarterback. You think so? Yeah, because he, when's the last time he's actually played quarterback though? Two, three years ago. I mean, when he was playing it though, he, yeah. he ran so much with that, the Raiders. Yeah, he was a useful fantasy he, he play. Would, he seemed to always rip off a 50 yard run every week. That's what I'm saying. So maybe they'll have some some tricks up their sleeve this week. Why as not? Far as that the Browns, why not? You have nothing to lose, Cleveland. Nothing to lose. Washington going on the road to play the Giants. Giants four-and-a-half-point favorites. Kirk Cousins isn't very good. I didn't like him coming into the season, even though he finished the year on a high note. Um, you got Josh Norman matching up with uh, Odell Beckham. As long as Beckham doesn't line up in the slot, and if that happens, then he gets somebody else, which I don't makes think the Giants think, are necessarily trying to avoid Josh Norman. I think, I think they can just let Odell Beckham do his thing against Norman and still right. be good. And, and something that Mario Puig has pointed out before is just like, hey, if, if their pass rush, if Washington's pass rush isn't as good as Carolina's pass rush was a year ago, Norman might not be the same player he was a year ago anyway. So, right. no, I'm not worried about Beckham. I don't like Cousins. I think Matt Jones takes a step back this week, even though he was efficient last week. Just a favorable spot for him. The Redskins, to me, are a complete mess. 
I'll take the Giants and give up the four and a half points, mm-hmm. even though I don't think the Giants can run the ball that well right now. I think they got to make a change. Rashad Jennings is a little bit banged up, but he's expected to play. I just don't know if they're ready to make that change personnel wise yet. So I, I think the Giants come out on top of this one, you know, like 27 20. Maybe Cousins keeps them in the game, but mm-hmm. it, I just don't see any real reason to expect him to be much better than he's been to this point. I mean, he's never been a guy that seems to play super well under pressure, and I think that pressure is all of a sudden returned now. Um, and it's still so early in the season, but you know, there's already there's already this internal dissent, it seems, in that locker room, uh, kind of building against Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, 13 games left on the schedule. You never want to say it's a must win, but this is one too. Cause, you know, like I was just talking about with the Jags, but this one being a head-to-head matchup, Giants go to three and zero if they win this. Washington goes to zero and three. That's a pretty tough hole to to see them digging themselves out of. I agree with you, and it's one of these things too where if like you are going up against the guy who thinks Kirk Cousins is going to be good, you've got a gift because right. that Giants defense might tee off. Well, we on haven't him. really seen the Giants play all that well offensively yet. Like Odell Beckham has not had a Beckham game yet through two weeks. No, he hasn't. Last week, a lot of field goals too. It yeah. seemed like they were moving the ball against they that Saints the ball defense like three or four times. And yeah, lost all of them. Left a lot of points yeah. out of the that field. That should have been a higher scoring game. Could have could have won that game in a blowout mm-hmm. last week because the Saints didn't look like they were doing much. And that's why I think it's part of the reason why I think that Giants defense right. is legit. You're staring at your weekly fantasy opponent, and you're thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, probably Kirk Cousins, and not his entire team, but your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to do that. Well, now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Odell Beckham versus Antonio Brown, Cam Newton versus Aaron Rodgers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use the promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No halftime where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. Let's move on to some other week three previews. Uh, Taking a look now at Oakland and Tennessee, the last of the early afternoon games. Raiders, uh, one and a half point underdogs going on the road to Tennessee. Tennessee's an improved team, Nick. I just don't know how improved they actually are. Maybe they're like a six-win, seven-win team this year. We saw Oakland go on the road and win against the Saints in week one. I think that repeats. I think they get the job done in Nashville this week. I think so, too. The The Raiders' defense, surprisingly, has kind of been the issue for them thus far, and that, that showed up again. Certainly in week one, they were able to win, and, and again in week two. These are two teams I feel like we don't really know anything about quite yet. You know, I think we could fast forward to week 10 and the Raiders could be sitting at seven and three um, and the Titans could be sitting at six and four. And that wouldn't be too surprising. Or you could reverse that. And it also wouldn't be too surprising either way. So I still hold a grudge against the Tennessee Titans um, from the 2000 season. As you're well aware, uh, the only team to beat that Jags uh, Jags finished the season 15 and three, all three losses to the Titans. So that's still in the back of my mind. Fifteen years later, Was that your age um, eight season is a fan. That would have been my age, yeah, age eight season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, since then, it's, it's kind of been tough for me to, to, to ever really get on the Titans bandwagon. I, don't, I always pride myself. I don't hate any players or any teams in sports except for the Tennessee Titans. So that's fair. I, I, I think it's a reasonable stance. Do you have concerns about Latavius Murray based on the limited workload 
last week against Atlanta because I, I think we saw yes. um, more of the the backups there than anybody would have expected, especially this early in the year. And Tennessee has been pretty good against the run, especially week one against Adrian Peterson. Yeah, yeah. I think it's if you're backing Latavius Murray, maybe you look at you know what Adrian Peterson did in week two, and you say you know maybe it's an AP problem, maybe it's a Vikings line problem, uh, and not so much the Titans D. But yeah, I mean I'm I'm a little concerned more in the volume for Latavius Murray than anything else. Just eight carries uh, last week against Atlanta, and granted they did air it out 45 times. It was a high scoring game, uh, and he did lead the team with eight carries. But at the same time, um, you know if this ends up being another shootout. I don't know that the volume is necessarily going to be there. He he basically did split carries with DeAndre Washington. He had seven, uh, Murray with eight. And Washington was a little bit more effective. Murray is the one that got into the end zone, but Washington's more of the big play guy. Uh, had a 26-yard run in that game. So Jalen Richards been a minor part of this offense, too, through the first two weeks. Uh, I think Latavius Murray is still the number one back, but... Right now, what what are you looking at for a maximum carry load for him? You know, fifteen or sixteen, and with a guy like with a Kim who runs between the tackles and does most of its damage there, I don't know how that bodes as far as as far as you know yardage totals. Yeah, I just see him as like a mid range or low end RB two, yeah. and I thought there'd be a little more there once injuries started to really uh, deplete the depth at the position. But I don't like what was happening last week. Hopefully, for the sake of Latavius Murray owners, it proves to be an outlier. But I'm taking the Raiders with the one and a half points. Uh, looking here at the Niners and Seahawks, Niners getting nine and a half at Seattle. I mean, is Seattle a team you're a little bit worried about right now? Did you catch that? Oh, you're doing that on purpose. Yeah, it was on purpose. <laughs> that, was not, that was not an accident. Yeah, play. Oh, a trap game. No, I think it could be. I, I think Seattle scored 15 points through f- the first two weeks of the season. I think that's a little bit concerning, um, especially with as bad as that Rams defense looked against this San Francisco team in week one but there if anything maybe last week was a trap game for seattle and you know we saw it coming though three straight losses now to st louis we saw it coming like we talked about it it was one of those things it's it's the the jeff fisher effect he just has a way they've won four times now against seattle in the regular season this innate magnetic pull to bring him to 500 you know how does he do there's that flow chart i want to i think it was pft commenter one of those one of those guys on twitter made a flow chart basically explaining how jeff fisher works you're under 500 you win a game. If you're over 500, you lose a game. You just have to get back to 500. That's what he does. I don't know what direction the Rams go in this week, probably back under against Tampa Bay. But no, I mean, I think we're, we're panicking about the Green Bay offense. I mean, if you're in Seattle, you got to be doing the same thing, right? Yeah, you do. The running game doesn't look good. Rawls had the 7-7, uh, seven and seven, but a negative 7 yards. Really rough performance for him. I uh, got the leg contusion as well. We saw Kristen Michael get 60 yards on 10 carries. If you're, if you're Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel, how do you not use Michael more than Rawls at the current yeah. time based on their form? Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder where Rawls is at health-wise, and, and certainly pr- the production seemed to bear that out last week. I, I think if you're choosing between those two this week, it has to be Michael. I think that's where I'd go too, but I, I'm not feeling great about anybody in the Seattle offense, except for maybe Russell Wilson. Even with Doug Baldwin banged up, I mean, look at what Cam and company did to San Francisco's defense yeah. last week. That's where I look at this game as, as kind of bizarre. I, I, don't, I still don't think San Francisco is good, Mm-mm. and I don't know how broken Seattle truly is. So picking it is really difficult. Most yeah. of the money is going on San Francisco. Nine and a half is way too high. I'm, inclined, I'm just inclined to say Seattle's so much better. It doesn't even matter that they'll cover the nine and a half, and I'm not going to know how they do it, but they're just going to find a way. Maybe because, they're so, maybe because of the concerns in the running game in particular – 
I should just take San Francisco with the points, but I'm very tempted to just take Seattle. I'm taking Seattle straight up. I'm taking San Francisco against the spread. It, the Seattle hasn't shown to me that they can score enough points to cover that. Yeah, all right. That's that's, that's fair. I'm, I'm waffling. For now, I'll, I'll, I'm on Seattle, mm-hmm. but that may flip between now and Sunday afternoon. Uh, Rams-Bucks, also a late afternoon game, even though it's happening in Tampa. Bucks five-point favorites following the Jeff Fisher rule. I think James Winston gets back on yeah. track. Charles Sims, to me, is a, a very good option in the backfield he's kind of a low-end like rb1 potentially in most matchups based on how i expect him to be used maybe he's more of a two for this week uh, with mike evans healthy though i just expect james winston to bounce back in a huge way in week yeah. three yeah i think it, a regression or a progression i guess in this case to the mean i don't think he's he can't be as bad as he was last week and, and he to his credit he did rebound a little bit in the second half and was able to get things going but obviously it was far too late yeah i, th- I think everything on the Rams side of the ball Business as usual. Threw a pick on the first possession week one. Threw a pick on the first possession week two. Four picks last week. Yeah, that just snowballed for him. What do you What do you expect from Todd Gurley this week? Like eighty in a score, ninety in a score. I I think this could be a decent spot for him. Tampa's defense. He's another progression to the mean guy too, right? I I think for him, I'm a little bit more concerned because you know he relies on the offensive line more so than you know Jameis Winston doesn't necessarily have to rely on on his teammates quite as much. Um, But I mean basically for me the Rams are gonna have to prove they can throw the ball and they they did prove that a little bit last week still haven't gotten in the end zone though um but it was such a disaster in week one that you certainly couldn't fault the 49ers for loading eight guys in the box every time and I think until Case Keenum or Jared Goff or whoever it is Sean Mannion proves that they can move Man- the ball Mannion's down. not gonna happen stop trying to make Sean Mannion I'm not trying happen. to make Sean Mannion happen I don't like Sean Mannion um I, I, until they prove that they can move the ball, I don't, what, what's going to stop any team from just loading up on Gurley? You're not scared of Kenny Britt. You're, you're not scared of Tavon Austin catching his little four bubble screens or jailbreak screens per game. This was the recipe last year, and he still got 4.8 yards per carry. I, I think it yeah. is progression returning to the mean in a positive way for Todd Gurley in week three is the time for him to get that done. Um, I'll take the Bucks though, giving up the five points. I think they can win this game by perhaps double digits. Looking at the Steelers and Eagles, Steelers on the road, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Good test for the Eagles. I don't think they can pass it. I, I think no. this is a, a situation where we're going to realize the Eagles are improved, perhaps, from where they were a year ago, but they're not quite ready to knock off a team like Pittsburgh, even at home in Philly. Yeah, I'm going to knock them down a peg. I, I think they... Carson Wentz, not to take anything away from him, has been incredible through two weeks, but he's done that against the Browns' defense. He's done that against the Bears' defense, which might be the worst in football. The two worst teams in the league, probably. Right. So, I mean, scheduling-wise, it's been very favorable as far as introducing a new quarterback in his first year. Um, But things are going to pick up now. I mean, it's going to go nowhere but up as they get into divisional games, and and certainly this one. Playing at home helps, but three-and-a-half to me seems like a pretty low line. I, I think that could be quite a bit higher. Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers outright and giving up the points. I think they improved to yep. 3-0, win this game by like 6 or 7 yeah. at the minimum, if not more. I just it, Philly's defense does seem to be legitimately improved. We're going to find out how much they've improved in this This matchup. would be a shocking win to me. This, this would be like the Carson, Carson Wentz hype is justified through two weeks, but this would really, really ramp things up. Well, especially if the Eagles like fell into a shootout and Wentz like went for 330 yeah. and three TDs, but I just, I do not see that. Well, unfolding. the Eagles have the benefit now of they're just playing with house money at this point. You know, I mean, they could, they could go two and 12 the rest of the year and it, it would still be somewhat of a success. I don't think this is a team that expected to win more than six games. The old four and 12 successful season. Well, you know what I mean? I, I think 
if you ask Philadelphia fans, did they expect to be two and zero? Probably not. No, did they expect their quarterback if, to look this good. If they're four and twelve after being two and zero, they're going to be okay. Fine, they're going to be pretty ticked off. Chargers Colts Chargers two and a half point underdogs. I don't know why. To me, this is more of a pick 'em. I would yep. take the Chargers getting the points. Maybe awesome. it's some recency bias, perhaps from last week, based on what they were doing. But they look like a team that can shred defenses, even. Even yeah, well, without can, Keenan Allen. They can shred the FCS Jacksonville defense. That's not that's not fair to your Jags. I, I see I watched a video on I think it was Big Cat Country, a, a great blog uh for great Jags content that just that just broke down how they were defending these San Diego long balls throughout the game and it was just so 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 depressing to see Travis Benjamin just running by linebackers all day. But I don't I don't want to talk any more Jags. I've already talked way more than I want. This is I'm with you on this. I think this should be a pick 'em. Um, Indianapolis has looked okay offensively and more so in week one than week two, but this still looks a lot like last year's team when, when everybody was banged up, especially Andrew Luck. Bigcountrycat.com, is that Big what you Big Cat said? Country. Oh, Big it's Cat. SB Nation. Country. Oh, you know, yeah, they, they get that. creative with the names. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that aspect of the operation. I think with the Chargers, they're going to run it well this week too. Melvin Gordon seems primed for a, a big game. Uh, looking at the Colts side, I mean, I, I want players on both sides going in this one. T.Y. Hilton will match up with Jason Verrett. We'll see how that pans out. It's not enough for where I would sit Hilton down because he doesn't have to be a high-volume player to be productive. The player who's up the most in value right now in Indianapolis is Philip Dorsett because Dante Moncrief uh, is going to miss some time. He's got a fractured clavicle, I believe is what he suffered, or was a fracture in his shoulder. It's four to like six that. weeks nonetheless. Uh, Dorsett's going to see more targets, and I think with Hilton drawing attention away, Dorsett's going to have the better matchup on the other side of the field, so definitely scoop him up if he's available in a shallow league. Uh, definitely think about using him if you're in a league that requires three receivers. He's on uh, the consideration for that or a flex spot this week. Jets-Chiefs in Kansas City. These two teams do seem very even. It's reflected in the Chiefs being favored by three since they are the home team. Uh, Brandon Marshall didn't practice on Thursday, and if he doesn't get on the field Friday... That changes things quite a bit for yeah. me. Without Brandon Marshall, I know Quincy Anunua can step up and take on a larger volume of targets. Eric Decker's got a shoulder thing. It doesn't seem to be quite as serious as Marshall's knee injury. But I'm leaning towards the Chiefs even if Marshall plays. And if Marshall gets ruled out, I think it's the Chiefs even easier than the minus three. It's hard to say. I mean, that just offense looked so good last week, but was that them playing well or was that Buffalo secondary just being that bad I think that's the question I mean if, if they're able to throw the ball downfield it, it it seemed like Decker and Marshall and Nunwa were running wide open really throughout that entire game if they're able to do that again which which seems unlikely against a better defense I do like the Jets but it, it's concerning that Brandon Marshall you know is still up in the air at this point I, I think you know, for them, it looked like initially he might be missing a big chunk of the season when he went down. He's able to come back into that game. You know, how much of that was just staying loose, you know, playing with adrenaline, uh, all that type of stuff. Now you start getting into the practice week and who knows what kind of discomfort and swelling he's dealing with. Even if he does play, it seems like he's probably not going to be too close to 100%. So to me, that's concerning. You know, if it's just Eric Decker and Anunwa in that receiving core, I think you're taking out a huge, huge weapon in Marshall. And it, it's a close pick to me i mean kansas city by three seems about right at home uh but if, if the jets are without marshall i think i lean kansas city's way even if marshall's out there though yeah we don't know if he's going to be used in his typical manner I, I feel like it it stinks because if he's active you play him and then you're just left to hope that he, he can score even if he's only getting six or eight targets as opposed to 10 plus for this week 
expect to see a lot more Matt Forte in this one. We might see Jamal Charles, and my attitude on Charles is more of a wait and see. But the Chiefs have a week five bye. It makes so much sense to get him a full year away from surgery, bring him back in week six, and ease him in then, which, if that holds up, it's part of the reason why I'm so hesitant to trade for Jamal Charles right now. I was offered a deal uh, that was essentially Willie Sneed for Jamal Charles in the Stopa League. I need, I need a running back, and Charles, I think, still has upside. But where you can really hurt yourself in a trade like that is the three or four weeks where he's not getting the full workload or if he's not quite as explosive as he was pre-surgery. There's just enough risk there with Charles and a little bit of uncertainty about when exactly he's back, paired with Willie Sneed maybe just being a better player than everybody realized a year ago in a high-powered New Orleans offense where I haven't been able to pull the trigger on that trade where two or three weeks ago, yeah. I would have done that in a heartbeat. Well, what, what concerns you more, I guess, the the upside of Sneed going forward or the possibility that this ends up being a timeshare for Charles and it's not really his job you know, until week five or six? My concern is really just that I would have Charles in my lineup because I'd, I'd put him in right away because my RB2 situation is bad and that I would take bad games in the short term at RB2 in the interest of using him. Mm-hmm. Getting burned by Sneed doesn't bother me if that happens. I think he's just a solid like his, top 30 receiver. His ceiling receiver. is only so high, you know? Right, he's not right. turned into Julio Jones. Right. And I, I, basically what I'm just trying to make sure is if I flip a receiver for a running back, which I have to do, that I get the right running back because I just want to make sure I'm getting quality output every week. And passing up on a, a higher ceiling player, at least what used to be one in Charles, to go get somebody else, Latavius Murray, whoever it might be instead, it's, it's one of those wrestling matches you have to have because injuries are so difficult to navigate with a player like this. And Spencer Ware, his performance only complicates things even further. Uh, the Sunday night game, we're so lucky. Why? The Bears and Cowboys in Dallas. Who thought this was a good idea? Back-to-back primetime games for the Bears? What? The Bears shouldn't have had a primetime game all season. Like Everyone knew they were going to be bad going back more than a year ago when the schedule would have been made, so... Why? Jags like, don't get a Sunday or a Monday game. Hmm. You get Thursdays, though, don't you? Yeah, third straight year they uh, they match up with the Titans on Thursday night. That's that's the game we're always looking for. Yeah. So uh, Dak's going to go off in this one. I think he gets his first NFL passing TD. Probably gets two in this one, like 240, two TDs, some rushing yards. The Bears are awful. I, I, I don't know. Seven and a half is a big number for Dallas to cover, but Brian Hoyer instead of Jay Cutler – Maybe some changes at running back. Jeremy Langford fumbled, wasn't very good. Jordan Howard got a few carries. We'll see if we see more of him. But then again, like, do you really expect the Cowboys to cover at 7.5? It's that same big number we saw with the Green Bay-Detroit matchup. Why did this line go up? Was this set before the Monday night game and then it rose after seeing how, how the Bears I, played? That's the only explanation. I think so. Well, I, I guess Cutler, too. I'm, I'm going contrarian. I think I'm taking the Bears with the points. Mostly because I don't think... I'm not convinced Dallas is built to blow out a team, like any team. Like if they just uh, Yeah, I don't think they are either, but the defense seems weak enough where the Bears could actually do something. Alshon Jeffrey could make some plays. Brian Langford Hoyer. and Howard might do some things. Brian Hoyer is at least an experienced backup though that won't completely like pee his pants out there. Tell that to the Texans. Yeah, well they, they I don't I don't I guess seven and a half is right on the borderline for me. Like if it was still at five and a half, I think I'd take Dallas to cover pretty comfortably. It's almost like Vegas is good at making mm-hmm. these lines. It is, yeah. It's almost like they do this for a living. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bears the points okay. for now. That's that's. You're high on Dak though. High on Dak this week. I, I do like I like Dak more than Cousins, for example. Would if, you go as far as to say he's going to be Dacking off? I would never say that. Huh. Okay. Gentlemen first, Nick. Right. Respect the game. 
Fair enough. Falcon Saints, Monday night, 53 and a half as the over-under. These teams actually are like the same to me, yes. and not surprisingly, Vegas this is that one way of, too. What, seven meetings between them this year? Yeah, I think this I think is the first, first of seven. Yeah, they always seem to be playing. They always seem to be playing in like every other game is on Monday night football, yeah. and like more than half of those games are played in New Orleans. I don't know how they do it. Right. But I don't they know do. if they have some sort of like work around where they, they just play a few extra every year they, they like you said they always seem to be playing in new orleans like whenever you check it's like well the saints are always better at home like didn't they play them at home the last four times yeah that, that's how i always feel about it yeah. i'm taking the saints giving up the three i, I like cooks i like sneed I, I definitely think ingram has a better game this week than he's had these first two games so if you've been waiting patiently on him this should be a good spot the question is do you sit any of the secondary options in atlanta i think this is a good matt ryan week of course Julio's in your lineup by default. What are you doing with the running backs? And then what are you doing with guys like Jacob Tammy, who looks more involved right now, and perhaps Mohamed Sanu, who was playing uh, coming off an ankle injury in week two? I think I like going up against the Saints secondary. So if you're deciding, you know, if Sanu's your your flex or your third receiver in a, in a deeper league, maybe you go there. Freeman, I, I still don't know what to think about Devontae Freeman. Like the numbers last week were fine. Uh, I mean, 93 yards on 17 carries, but there still seems to be this this creeping belief that it's actually somehow Tevin Coleman's job and it's only a matter of time until that switches Coleman's the one that got into the end zone last week Coleman's the one that was more involved in the passing game um I mean Devontae Freeman I want to say he had 74 catches last season which was uh third among all running backs Woodhead and I believe Theo Riddick were the top two he only has four catches through two weeks he's in good good company last year he was that so right and RIP Danny Woodhead and Danny Woodhead's knee by the way (sighs) Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, it really opens up a lot for Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to make of Freeman either. I don't have him anywhere except for the Beat DVR League. And in the Beat DVR, i got to start him this week. It's a full-point PPR league, which certainly helps. But why isn't he catching passes? This is going to be a good test to see where he's at if the right. workload shifts some more. If you can't catch passes against the Saints... Then you can't. Then you, you just you, can't. Just that's, not that's what they say. That's, that's, the, that's the old adage my grandpa told Coach me. Coach speak. Yeah. Coach speak, indeed. Any other thoughts on this uh, week three slate, Nick? No, I like not really. Like I said, I hate to bring up the Jags, but this is do or die time. If they fall to zero and three, it's going to be a dark weekend for me. Yeah, I, I think the Jags are more likely to go zero and three than the Saints, but I think both the Saints and the Jags get their first wins. This they're week. both fifty fifty games to me. Mm, yeah, they're both pretty close. I think the Saints are a little better than fifty fifty at home against the Falcons. Falcons, the Falcons aren't good. I, I mean, they, they beat the Raiders last week, but what does that really mean? Like, the Raiders are... That's why I said we don't know what the Raiders are yet. We might not know for a few more weeks. Yeah, I just think uh, the, the emotional high for the Raiders, maybe coming off that big win at New Orleans, I don't know. I don't know how much that was a factor in terms of a letdown, but Atlanta's always good in September and never really that good after. It's just the typical Falcons narrative yep. at this point. Uh, the Matt Ryan train, by the way, it's great for one more week at least, but... Soon you're gonna have to make some adjustments. Coal, yeah. Yes, the coal the coal supplies are very limited. All right, it's gonna wrap things up for us on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by NoHalftime.com. Tim and I are back with you on Friday. <laughs>